Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. Okay, thank you everybody for joining us today for Women in B2B Marketing. Today, I have a very special guest. If you are in B2B Marketing, you've probably either seen her face or heard her voice. She's everywhere in a great way. Everyone, welcome Karina Owens. She is the Senior ABM Manager at Gong, the host of the Reveal podcast, the advisor to many growing brands. And as I dare say, a TikTok and LinkedIn influencer by many means. <laughs> Welcome, Karina. Jane, thank you. That was a beautiful and very glowing introduction. I appreciate that. So kind of you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So glad to have you. I think I've mentioned to you offline, but it just, I always see you in my LinkedIn feed and you just bring lots of light and positive energy. And so that is what I want to bring more to this show. So, so glad you could join us today. Thank you. We all need so much more of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're picking that up on my post. It's very intentional. Yay. So yeah, let's kick things off. And if you could kind of start with just how you got into B2B marketing and ABM, what got you on this career path? Yeah, so I'm actually a former educator. So I used to teach elementary school. I started teaching abroad in Costa Rica. And there's this growing trend right now of educators who are fed the F up. <laughs> Of the lack of, I get it. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So, so I'll say no more. Yes. And they're entering sales. And it's so funny because I would always be asked in interviews because I, when I graduated uh, college, there was a recession. So there were no jobs for us in the education field. And I always knew I wanted to do something different. My big aspiration was to be a movie director, but of course I had to have my mother bring me back down to earth and be realistic. As they do. As they do. They mean well. So I would go on all these interviews and they would say like, why on earth should we consider an educator for a B2B enterprise level business? And I would say, well, we know how to multi-thread better than anybody. We have to talk to uh, principals. We have to talk to board members. We have to talk to different teachers of different disciplines. We have to talk to the parents. We have to teach a variety of different learning styles of the children. Like who knows how to better multi-thread than a teacher? Probably almost very few. So thankfully that question as my career grew kind of stopped getting asked of me, but I think they were very surprised to learn like there is a lot of business happening in the education system. And we have to abide by so many rules and regulations and there are so many decision makers. (laughs) So it completely politics. politics. Yep. Absolutely. Sadly, we want our focus to be on the kids' best interest, but that's unfortunately not many businesses, which a lot of education systems are just businesses too. So yeah, no, that's where I was going and landed at a private equity firm where that was a really big uh, eye-opening experience into the the world of corporate greed. (laughs) Dealt with a lot of investors and I've worked with a lot of like very large global companies with just branding, PR, communications and events. And then 
found that I really liked working at places that I could build something and really call my own. So spent the last several years of my career in SaaS, building demand generation and account-based marketing programs from the ground up for uh, technology companies. Love that. And yeah, at Gong, I mean, very big brand. I don't use Gong right now. Wish I did, wish we could. But in the past position, I did and loved it. So yeah, great, great position to build out here. And how did you get into the ABM world? Yeah, you know, it's it became a trending topic. I think mostly it got it really started to pick up in 2020, right? When everybody went to digital selling and realized they need to be a little bit more strategic about how they approach their buyers and their accounts and what data signals are available rather than maybe a traditional selling and the enterprise motion. But to me, tech vendors, they like to pitch you what the terminology is. I mean, it was invented by a tech founder, right? Like they coined the term, but really it's just really good strategic marketing, right? Who are our best fit accounts and how can we best sell and win their, and earn their rights to a business? So it's called ABM. We've now called it ABX, which is stands yeah. for account-based experience. It'll be called something else in a couple of years. But I, I would put my, I would put a lot of money on that. It's really just strategic marketing and being focused on a set of accounts that you know are best fit to win your business. And it's the, probably the most cross-functional role in revenue marketing because I interface with and my team interfaces with not just sales, but we interface with client success. We interface with product. We interface with the C-suite. I mean, you really have to have all these departments buy-in in order to effectively like show value and worth. Otherwise, they're just going to think of it as targeted demand generation. So there's a lot of learning. Unfortunately, I think this still has to be done for the community at large. Even in marketing organizations I enter, like sometimes they don't know what the hell ABM is. <laughs> and there's a lot of silos and, and disconnect just within there. So I try to break it down for people. I take calls weekly with my network who are looking to build or expand. And just, I always tell them like, do your own research and just do your own research on what these tool tech stacks are, but also do your own research on like what's worked for other companies and then do your own research on what works best for your company because mm. ABM is not a one size fits all strategy, right? It's a go-to-market strategy that's very specific and tailored to your business. It's so true. And when you were first explaining kind of ABM and where it came from, I remembered so probably six, seven years ago now, which is crazy. A, a good friend of mine, Jillian Ryan, who was on the show previously, she used to work at eMarketer and she was covering okay. a report, eMarketer now Business Insider, but she was writing a report all about ABM. And this was six, seven years ago. And I was like, Jillian, it's such a bullshit term. <laughs> enterprise marketing. It's how right. you market. You market to the companies, to the, like, there's- Best fit companies. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just how we market. But it's, it's how the now. it's how the vendors market. And then yeah. we have to adopt the coin and the quadrant and the whatever. Like it's all it's all just I really wish as marketers we could just stop naming every all single jargon, thing. Right? All the jargon. I have a whole form. If you go to my LinkedIn profile, there's a form yeah. that says goodbye to marketing jargon, like jargon that I would like to see die out. And every oh, year. I love that. <laughs> Every year I'll make a post and I'll say, okay, these are the top three submissions. And then I'll have people <laughs> vote on what they want to die. And I mean, it's just crazy. Like it's, it's not necessary. It's not helpful. I, 
I hope marketers start to realize like we just need to be like super intentional now more than ever on what our services or products do and what the hell they don't do. Like that's so important, right? Because right now I think a lot of companies are in positions where they oversold or sold a solution that really wasn't what the buyer was anticipating. Yeah. And the churn rate is through the roof for these companies. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, maybe if you were a little less everything to everyone, right. And just very intentional about who you are and what you do and what, who you serve currently, right. Not future state, but currently then maybe you would be in a much better position because right now, I mean, churn, I think is the bigger problem than even net new acquisition. I think churn is the problem that companies are facing more than anything. So true. That's and retention. What do they say? Retention marketing is the new demand gen. At least for 2023, we definitely see that being the case since everyone's holding their budgets tight. You just want to stay a part of that budget. Right. The funny thing with with ABM, I actually feel like the term itself has some some substance to it. Sure. Right. Like six, seven years later. I mean, obviously better than anyone. Like just there's actual like the what was it? This came years ago. I don't even know if this is still the best or most accurate piece or way to define ABM, but with the one to one, one to few, one to many. Yeah. Like that came about. And then all right. like so many companies that help you with ABM. There's way more definitions and segmentation that happens within it. So now it feels real to me. Whereas yeah, sure. it was fluff. <laughs> it is real. It is real. But it starts with your strategy for how you're going to go to market with these set of accounts, right? That's what it should start with. And unfortunately, too many people start with technology and that the technology vendors can't, yeah, they can't shape your strategy. And so that's why those ABM vendors, they really do struggle to retain retention because they're, the buyer is so underserved with real actionable, like insights and materials on what ABM is supposed to be. So you have to, I always tell people it is strategy first, technology second. You can just start an ABM motion with just LinkedIn ads in a Google sheet or, or CRM and LinkedIn conversation. Like that's how you can start or just email. So it's, yeah. it's less about the, the tech stack, right? And it's more about testing your messaging and your positioning with your audience that you are, you've decided are your best fit accounts, full stop. And I have had many programs or really just the one, (laughs) a company had invested just a lot of money into saying, we did this market research, like our product's going to be perfect for this industry vertical. So I built a whole program, content, messaging, frameworks, programs designed to serve that audience to learn that no, we are not only not a good market fit now, like we are not going to be a good market fit for them for a few years. And so in many ways, ABM is a really great way to test your go-to-market strategy. And I wouldn't see that as a failure. If you're communicating your wins and failures early and often, you're just building trust and credibility. So I tell every marketer, but especially anybody that's in, in ABM, just be account stewards of your data, period. And that's where you're going to get people to really start to understand like, okay, this is the value that this specific marketer can bring to me and the accounts that I'm working with. Yeah. Do you think that, because if you're saying you can start even just with LinkedIn, right? And start small, even while you're figuring out your strategy. Do you think that ABM can be for any brand? 
it can work for any, yeah. any size, any target market, or is there a certain segment that it just won't work for? I really don't understand why that question exists. And I guess it goes back to the fact that people don't understand that it's a emotion, right? Like it's, a, it's yeah. not, AVM is about knowing your audience and defining exactly who is your best fit audience and serving them where they are living and breathing content, right? How they talk about things, making sure it's aligned to your product vision and then your product roadmap. Like I, I've never understood why that question exists, but I do get asked it a lot. Yeah. ABM can be for any size business. It just depends on if you want to have a dedicated function for it. A lot of people do what they would call more targeted demand generation, right? Which is somewhat confusing with ABM. But no, absolutely. ABM can be for any size of organization. But if you're definitely looking to get into a new types of business, so if you're looking to move from like commercial to enterprise, ABM is one of like the first marketing disciplines you should consider. Because again, yeah. it's that hyper-focused, hyper-attention to detail. I mean, I've informed sales process and sales strategies just by coming in as an ABM marketer. So it's especially fitted, I would say, to answer that question. If you're looking to change the types of people you're selling to or the types of organizations you're selling to. That's interesting. Yeah. And it, I love that you're answering it like that question shouldn't exist anymore. When I hear this all the time and it's almost been hammered into me that you really should only do ABM when you are enterprise. Right. And I, I 100% you need to do ABM when you're enterprise and that's your target sure. market. But sure. I agree that going back to when ABM first came out as a term and I was like, that's just marketing. It's smart, targeted, strategic marketing. Correct. That's for everybody, not a that's for everybody. type. So right. The only reason why it came out is it was it was a way to sell technology, right? Yeah. And now, I mean, I think there's like everybody and their mother. If you look on G two, is an account based marketing tool. Oh yeah. ABM yeah. and GTM. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. So that the ABM and GTM, right? Like they're, they're becoming the same thing. So I guarantee yeah. you. In a couple of years, we're just going to have a whole new function. It's going to look completely different. Yeah. Growth, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, no, I mean, I think that we're, we're, I think as a people, we're starting to be like, because even these own ABM vendors, they have their own acronyms. Like Six yeah. Sense has six QA. And I'm like, that doesn't mean shit to anybody that doesn't have six cents. Yeah. That probably doesn't mean shit to your executives. No offense. Like yeah. stop using this jargon that's not helpful and start using business objectives and showing how you're like, forget ABM. Do you want to prove marketing value? Stop talking in marketing metrics and start talking in business objectives and outcomes. That's going to be what your C-level gets bought into. That's what's going to keep your job stability. That's what's going to keep your budget. Keep your MQLs and any other metric you want to measure inside your marketing org. But when you're speaking to other organizations within your org, you have to use business objectives, right? That, that's how you get bought in. So I really don't know why we come up with all these cutesy terms. I really don't. <laughs> it's, it's like something that's nice and packaged. So you feel good that you came up with it and category creation has become something. Oh, so. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Well, there's my little uh, negative Nancy, I guess, take on. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait did. to go check out your LinkedIn post on the jargon that needs to die. I'm going to okay. link that in show notes, everyone. Okay, perfect. So take perfect. Okay, perfect. Um, last thing on jargon, and then we'll totally stop talking about sure. it. But a you touched on this earlier, ABM versus ABX. Is there a right. difference or it's just another like evolution of the term? 
the way that the vendors want you to think of it as is that account-based experience or the market wants you to think it as is that ABX includes experience, X is the experience. So what they're saying is it encompasses more than net new acquisition and that it's a all kind of full life cycle customer experience, which that's how you should be treating any customer outside of ABM or ABX. Like your customer's life cycle goes well beyond just when you started talking to them. The way I approach like how I communicate with my audience when I come into any organization is I'm treating them like they're a customer from day one. And so I'm a part of sales calls initially because I want the marketing interface. A lot of companies have uh, disciplines like customer marketing come in once they've had a year with a product, there's a proven ROI, but there's no relationship there. You've got to build stickiness with these clients and get marketing involved sooner in the process. So And then there's also how many times are we seeing people change jobs in this economy? It's been like, we'll see that we use a tool called user gems that helps us track and automate when people move jobs. We'll see like two to three times our champions are moving. Do you know how helpful that is for us to like that? And what I'm trying to say is that the customer journey is never ending. These people are going to leave their jobs. They're going to get promoted. You've already spent so much time educating them, informing them, like, Double down on that. It's it's the 80-20 rule is how I like to think of it. How can we do like 20% of effort and get 80% of the results, right? Yeah. That helps us be so much more efficient and tracking champions or rating fans as we call them. Like that's an amazing way to keep it going. But to, to your original question, ABX is um, meant to be considering the full life cycle of a customer. So kind of that land and expand model, whereas yeah. ABM traditionally, people think that it's just net new acquisition, but I've I've never thought of it that way. It's It's all encompassing of the customer journey. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for explaining it. And yeah. two things you just touched on that I want to dive deeper into. One is how do you track raving fans? Like, is there any specific method or is it all just super manual? So it was manual until we partnered with a company called User Gems. And what we did is, wow. yeah, yeah, we got to them and we said, hey, These are the types of people that we want to have automatically updated in our CRM. And then when I came into the process, I said, okay, well, I want my account team to know the second this happens and my account teams work and do business in Slack. So I made sure that the second it got pushed to Salesforce, that a Raven fan had moved to a target account of mine, the entire account team was alerted, right? And then they had a set of steps. I can share the playbook I created as well with you to include in the show notes if you'd like. It's so funny. The responses we get are incredible because like you said, like these enterprise, there's so many people you have to interface with and get buy-in from. Yeah. So we'll have more than ever, right? We'll have, we track the CFOs because they're entering in our deals and they weren't, they didn't historically used to as much. We'll track the the person that was the uh, decision maker, and then we'll track the power user, right? So there's a lot of different types of people that we're tracking, but they're all people we know. We're a raving fan of the product. We'll even track people that we lost the opportunity, but the person that was a raving fan in the opportunity, we want to track them as they move to a new company because maybe they had a roadblocker or a budget constraint or what have you. 
And so we get that updated twice a month when that job change occurs, and that just gets updated directly in our CRM. And then a Slack notification gets pushed out to the entire account team that then gives them this insight into, okay, where do they go? And then gives them directions on like, make sure you reach out to their former CSM to get a better understanding of who they were, listen to these gong recordings so that we can start to do personalized outreach. But the most important thing about when we do these, these outreaches is that they're all gigs. We don't ask for time on their calendar. We don't ask for anything. We just congratulate them and say, we'll miss them. We don't even ask for who is the new stakeholder, right? Like that's not the purpose yeah. of the program. The purpose of the program is to thank them for everything they did for us every, when they were a customer of ours. And the responses we get are like, oh my God, this is genius. I'm copying this and sending this to my marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, for the salespeople, we'll get emails and they'll be like, this company needs gong. I, I miss it. Let's get on a call on X and so date. And we're going to help uh, sell co-sell together. Like that's an incredible response, right? Like who do you, who do you hear that from, from just like a blast automated email? And then other funny things we've heard too are like, oh, don't worry about it. I already made sure that uh, as part of my contract, as part of my offer, that Gong was in, that buying Gong was wow. going to be part of that. Yeah, the so, ultimate raving fan. The ultimate raving fan. <laughs> so it's just that we it's a, it's such a missed opportunity to only see customers through the lens of like that one time interaction or not seeing them as individuals and what they brought to the table. So the raving fan experience for us is an always on experience, whether they're with the same company or not. And it's helped so us quite a bit. How do you, before you bring in user gems, which is another tool I, I love and would love to have in my tech stack, but they, before that comes in, how do you get the team to mark in your CRM or any system you're using? Who is the power user? Who are those raving fans? Like, how do you get, I'm assuming that piece is manual. I wish there was tech that could automate identifying those. Maybe there is, and I'm not aware of it, um, but probably, I, that's probably. a struggle. Yes. So Marketo is one of the tools we use and we have an incredible MOPS and RevOps team here that is really good at creating their own algorithms that make those, not assumptions, but make those definitive for us to know. So yeah, no, a, a lot of, we have to get tools that help us get away from manual human intervention for like just data input, right? Like that's incredibly helpful. Gone too, it's just incredibly helpful. I, I can listen to a call and I capture sentiment. So I know we have raving fans when they say certain phrases, like even something as simple as love, right? So like, I love this aspect, right? And so I have folders that people can look back onto and they can hear it and see it from the voice of the customer because we have those reported transactions. I mean, I can even see email chains in Gong uh, on our deal board. So it's, there's so much information that we're like, we're drinking our own kombucha here. I've heard yeah. somebody say that. So I started to Love say that, that instead of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Health conscious version. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so yeah, no, there's, there's so many ways to where technology can come in and empower the inputs and help automate the process for us, human intervention is still necessary, right? Like that's why when we reach out, we take all that data that's been inputted into Gong or our CRM, and then we make our own decisions on wording and phrasing and how we're going to reach out. But it's important that you have things that are capturing sentiment and that really helps inform like what kind of customer or what kind of user were they? Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that. So to the actual system, is it kind of, you can identify sentiment with Gong yeah. and that can be put into Marketo or maybe it can even surpass or skip any of that, but yeah. there, and then that can, I, so that marks who is somebody you definitely want to stay on top of that it connects to user gems that tracks those people. So like that full cycle with that. Exactly. There's so many different things that. we use, even like G2 reviews, right? Like if they've said something glowing about us, that's something that user gems can take into account too. So there's a whole lot of ways we're tracking sentiment and like how powerful of a fan were they. So yeah, no, there's a lot of variables that go into it. But the great thing about that is that it's not a black box technology, right? It's, you could see it as just tracking job changes or tracking promotions but I'm telling you who are the ones that are important because our entire universe of opportunity is not important to me as, as an AVM marketer. Yeah. These key individuals certainly are. So that's where that becomes really crucial for our strategy is, is yeah. okay. Is a champion entering a deal that we've been having a problem, like problem getting across the line. That's been a game changer for acceleration as an example yeah. or expansion into a new BU. So yeah. It's great to be able to work with providers where you can inform the input and the strategy of it. Yeah. You know what you need accomplished and just which tools will help you get there. Exactly. Something else you touched on was objectives. So I'm curious, kind of switching gears a little bit is what mm -hmm. are some of your, that you're comfortable sharing your key goals or objectives in your role? Yeah. And how so do you track it? <laughs> so I partner with Demandbase and I essentially told them, look, the way this tool is going to get adopted is if I'm able to show insights that matter to how we do business, how we go to market, how our sellers sell. So we did a lot of work behind the scenes with them to create custom reports and dashboards, but also a custom ROI model that we review with them quarterly. And one thing we did was at the start of every year, we tell them, hey, these are our target accounts. And this is a set of accounts that are basically what I like to call lookalike accounts. So for whatever reason, they weren't chosen to be part of our top 25 or our top 50 or whatever number you want to use for your top accounts, but they have similar features. Like they're still going to get served demand generation. They're still going to get those digital ads, but it's not going to be that custom tailored approach that an ABM program would have. So a lot of people would just be like, well, sure, of course we would have won that business. Like they make sense to be a client of ours, but it's like, well, no, they were part of the ABM program. And I could compare it to the control group and show that the ABM accounts that we won actually moved through the cycle quicker. We actually are able to identify more influencers and contacts. We actually have higher uh, ACV or ARR, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, it's very important from metrics perspective. The North Star is always to be pipeline and business closed, but there's also things along the way that you can prove for a, that your ABM strategy is working because it's a long play. And so some of those earlier things I mentioned, like additional uh, contacts identified, that's super helpful. That shows more interest. Increased engagement on the website, even if it's anonymous, right? That's incredibly helpful. So, but the, the big ones, like the big metric buckets that I love to share is pipeline velocity. So showing that like, we actually helped move a deal up a whole quarter because ABM programs were involved. That's a game changer for any yeah. business, right? We actually helped identify new business units that you can expand into. That's game changing. They're just overall more engagement 
from both marketing ABM campaigns, but also sales too, as a result. So it just shows that when you're really coordinated in line and in sync with these two teams, and then you can have something like a control group to compare it to that, yes, like these programs helped make an impact. And we don't try and get into like sourcing or like who brought in the deal. We just try to show them that these programs were intentionally designed for these accounts. And as you can see, a very similar firm or company that was not getting those did not move along as fast. So I think that's the number one thing that I really like to drill in with marketers is to make sure that not only is your team bought into who those accounts are, but who those accounts are also not going to be so that when they see those metrics, they understand, oh, okay, they, these programs are making or having some potential impact on, on getting them through the funnel. I love the idea of a control group. I've never heard that before. And it makes so much sense because it's, right. it's clear, proven success. Or if it's not, right, if, if for your that own too. learning. That too. Then and that means we chose the wrong accounts, right? And then you have an opportunity. I mean, depending on your sales cycle, you could review it. Like if you're a smaller organization, you can review it every quarter. If you're a larger organization, you're likely going to want to review those lists like twice a year. But yeah, no, it's incredibly helpful for not only proving your value, but also for you too. Like, hey, did we did we effectively choose? The, are we wasting spend here? Are we wasting time here? Yeah, exactly. And within these programs that you're conducting and tracking, thank you for that insight. What channels do you see working in 2023 or lately? Like what's actually working within these programs? Community is definitely one of them. When I entered Gong about a year and a half ago, I was thrilled to be working for a company that had as many raving fans at my fingertips, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Nisha Boxy, um, she built just an incredible community here. And initially it was just for Gong customers. So I asked her and we worked on a program together that for new enterprise users, because enterprise was a new motion when I joined the company and I was part of helping out roll out strategy was these people like revenue intelligence is still a new concept. And a lot of these bigger enterprise organizations, some of them don't even have CRMs. So we have to do a lot of convincing and I've come from enterprise. I know all about, <laughs> I used to sell procurement and sourcing software. So I know exactly what's going to get like scrutinize, what have you, the process, finance, et cetera. And so testing and proof of concepts are very important. So one of the things I noticed, I'm, I, I kind of went off on a tangent there, is that we had an opportunity to connect our current customer base, raving fans who are in the community. If you've chosen to join the community, you're clearly a raving fan, right? Yeah, especially if and you're active. In exactly. And connect them with a new user right? And do it without the sales email back and forth, right? Because we all know there's manipulation in that, right? I mean, if I say I want a reference and then you email a reference, like, I know you've handpicked that reference. I know they've likely been told what to like, what to like lean into, what to not lean into. By the way, when that happens for me, all vendors know I'm brutally honest. So <laughs> they know I'm a gamble, but, <laughs> but I was like, let's give them an opportunity to connect and hear from a per person yeah. that is just like them. So we built this program with Comsor that's part of our community. And what it does is it matches a specific type of new user with a 
raving fan that's been a client for a while. It will give them prompt topics like, hey, like what was the most surprising aspect of Gong that you didn't like? Or, hey, how did you roll out Gong and get adoption when you came across like hurdles? And they'll walk away becoming new network connections, friends. Some of them rocked away and actually built out a whole uh, meetup group that's part of Gong community, which is called Women in Revenue. Highly encourage people to join it. It's a beautiful community that was built like from these types of programs. And they've also, we've also had people become customers since we opened up community to the public. So if you go to visioneers.gong.io, uh, you will be able to join the community yourself, whether or not you're a Gong customer. And I think that's what people need to be focusing on, right? Like is yeah. throw away the, we can control what we can control. And we have to let go of a lot of control here. And if you're in a position where your customers are actively engaging, like the best type of content you can create is user-generated content. Yes. Voice of your customer content. And community, I mean, if you visit it, there's forum after forum, meetup after meetup. Like it's just constant back and forth, the voice of the customer. It builds yeah. so much credibility. We've even opened up the academy. So there's like an avenue for certifying yourself, right? Like on the, on these topics, et cetera. And I have had people ask me too, like, well, what's the benefit of a client talking to somebody that's like not officially yet a client? I'm like, well, they, I've actually heard that people have gotten job offers to come join their company because it's not an intuitive muscle yeah. to network. It's just not. How many Especially people are after the last few years? <laughs> yeah. How many people are not used to LinkedIn or don't feel comfortable to yeah. reach out on LinkedIn? I mean, so programs like this, where you are providing a platform for people to connect and share stories of how they have had success is not only beneficial for the person telling the story, but it's beneficial for the person that's trying to learn. So yeah, that's my rant on community. I definitely, I'm going to try one day to get Nisha on the show too, because I'd love to hear just how she decided oh, to open it up from yeah. Gong specific users to a wider audience and just what that's brought to you. So that's amazing. Love I'd love it. for you to have her on. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. Love it. And so on the flip side, community is definitely working. Is there any channel that you are over and it is just not working and you're not doing it anymore? Uh, We've definitely decided to trim the fat this year. And I think we, what the problem was, was we were trying to be everywhere at once, right? Yeah. And there's testing elements to that, but that can get stale, especially when you get busy and things change. And my God, have things changed quarter to quarter this year. So we've just trimmed the fat on a lot of paid advertising. Yeah. And we're just focusing on what's working. And LinkedIn Organic really works for us. Our podcast really works for us. We're getting like something like two to 300,000 downloads a month. Like wow. that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. And it's a great avenue to spotlight people. So I think that we're learning that it's less about being everything to everyone and just being everywhere at the same time. So there certainly are fantastic paid channels out there. It's not that we've stopped using it, but yeah. we have to stay ahead of the curve as marketers. Like chat GPT is something and open AI is something I'm very interested in because yeah. I like to think of it as like the upgraded ask Jeeves, right? Like the, I'm really totally. dating myself here, <laughs> but that's going to become the new search engine. 
Yes. Like that's Google realizes that Bing clearly realizes that like they have to revamp their whole go to market model as well. So um, interesting because it just writes out the answer. You don't have to search through a million different answers. (laughs) What I'm worried about that with though, is that it's going to be harder and I really am going to be paying very close attention and I encourage others to pay close attention to the compliancy, right? Yeah. I'm worried that our advertising is going to start to become, mm-hmm, did an advertiser write this? Or yeah. is this really like actually generating a lot of correct human input? You know what I mean? So true. Yeah. So they haven't introduced an advertising component yet, right? In any no, of these But of guys? course they are. Of well, course yeah. they are. Yeah. I mean, sure. the, the, the spend for them on both, both of them has gone drastically down. So uh, people, I always say like, I, whenever I talk about it, it's not that I am not incredibly impressed. I knew the technology was going to get there, but we are the humans that are putting the inputs in. And we need to be very mindful of that because they've already proven that there's a gender bias when it comes to job descriptions. So that's not a good thing. Yeah. So pay attention to that. Okay. So Josh Burson, he has a podcast and he's paying very close attention and doing a lot of research, particularly around HR and staffing, because that is one of the number one use cases of these open AI chat GPT forums. Yes. No one wants to write a job description. (laughs) It was my least, it's my least favorite thing to do for hiring. Oh my God. Oh my God. Start with an old one and just edit. You start with an old one. Oh, it's terrible. Have to, you have to, depending on what company you work for, you can and cannot include certain information. So no, but they did research and they picked up bias. So I mean, can, humans are inherently biased. So one, just be super, super vigilant about what you're reading and what you're inputting. Because I do think one day there's a future where ads are going to have a major impact on the output of these open AI solutions. So now we're used to scrolling because we know the ads are at the top and that's made very clear, right? Even when you're listening to a podcast, Conan O'Brien is one of my favorite podcasts. He's one of my favorite people, Yeah. but his ads are always done through his voice. But I can tell because I'm so trained now because I listen to him when his ad comes on and I skip right past him. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm hopeful that we'll start to learn how to like dissect what is real and what is not. But initially, I think it's going to be really tricky. And I just, we get, sometimes I think we get too excited about a new technology and we don't critically think enough about the impact this could have on our human race. So I talk a lot about that. I'm very passionate about it. Obviously, I'm in the business of AI right now at Gong. Yeah. Right over again. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I'm going to link to a couple of things you mentioned in people. Perfect. Josh Burson. Yes. All right. I'll find yes. him and link to him too in the show notes. Perfect. Perfect. So amazing. One pivot, just because I know we're running yep. on time. I wanted to ask you, so obviously you have grown your personal brand, your following on LinkedIn so successfully, Thank and you. you've started getting into TikTok. And again, I feel successfully, I don't know the metrics there, but it, it's Thank amazing you. to me. If you have any tips for anyone that's listening, that's looking to do the same, like which which channels are working for you? What have been your hurdles? Any advice would be great. Yeah. The biggest thing that I understand wholeheartedly is we're inherently feared of being judged, right? And putting ourselves out there, putting ourselves at risk. And 
There's this other side too, where people, we say thought leadership, and I think it carries this sort of like hierarchy of what kind of human you are if you're a thought leader. And then that pushes people away from sharing their voice. And I don't want that at all. Everyone has a unique voice and point of view. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to people, they say, well, Karina, like, I I don't really know, like, how do I get there? I'm like, you have a unique point of view on everything. You're an individual. So if you want to start talking about a certain topic, start listening to podcasts that you, that are talking about it, start reading books, watching shows, YouTube videos, what have you, and then block time each week make it 10 to 20 minutes where you write out what you took away from that episode. And you're going to start to understand, like, this is my voice, right? This is my style. This is how I like to communicate. And it may be just written text. I know a lot of people are very fearful about being on camera. And there are a lot of people that have things like autism that I have very dear people in my life that have autism and they don't like being on camera. So that might not be a medium for you. And I want the sales audience to respect that and listen to that because I know there are coaching corporations out there that say, stay on camera, right? That doesn't work for everybody. So find what you feel comfortable doing. I'm fine on camera. I'm fine on a stage. But more than anything, I think that it's a fear aspect to start, right? A fear and a disbelief in yourself. And so I tell people, take that limiting factor, right? That's a limiting belief. Take that limiting belief, name it, recognize it, sit with it, and then put it away, all right? Because you have a whole lived experience and a little post on LinkedIn is probably nothing in comparison to your lived experience, right? Yeah. Uh, So you do have to put yourself out there. And I have done that my whole career. Unfortunately, I didn't have people putting me up for speaking at events. I just asked, right? I put myself out there or I reached out to somebody to take a chance on believing me and mentoring me. So it's really taking the reins yourself and then have a community or advisory board of cabinets, as Arthur Castillo says, of people that you can maybe read your posts to, right? Say, hey, what did you like about this? What didn't you? And a lot of times I'll be like, hey, here's where you really made your point. Change the structure around a bit. I also tell people that the best way to connect is not to come off as if you are this golden God expert of anything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just share your learnings and your findings. That's what people connect to. That's when people start to drop their own walls and they feel like they can be vulnerable with you. And it's, I'm so glad I've done it. It's made me a more confident person. Yeah. It's made me connect with some amazing people from around the world that I have true, genuine, authentic connections with. But so much of it is just our own fear of a limiting belief that we're not there yet, right? We, we yeah. sh- we're not there yet, so we shouldn't talk about it. We need to have this level of expertise. Do you know how many people at the top actually know everything? It's very, very little. It's very, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody knows everything. It's a persona that people put on, and maybe they had a better, a better grounding or place to start with in life. But and you know, I think those people who come off that way as being all knowing <laughs> nowadays are less listened to. I hope so. I hope so. I think that come to mind who I won't name. I won't name either. But (laughs) I haven't, I haven't called them out yet either. Yeah. But I do, I do stop. I do remove them from my feet 
because I just, I don't, it shouldn't be self-serving. Sales shouldn't be self-serving, right? It should be in service of the other person. And if you have that mindset, your content's going to get adopted by somebody. Like it's, yeah, yeah. One thing just to highlight that you said in the very beginning of this, your recommendation to just write, like even if it's yes. having something you listen to, to find your voice and what your your perspective is on things. So smart because it reminds me of, I don't know if you've heard of the book and methodology of the Miracle Morning uh-uh. and the acronym is SAVERS. I love it. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to wake up at five. That's not happening for me. But <laughs> I'm with you. It's like, I think savers, it's like silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, even if it's jumping jacks. Yeah, um, sure. Reading and then scribing just because I couldn't make it saver W. So right, right. <laughs> for writing, but you're supposed to write. And it's the same thing like that could take, if anyone does, follows the Miracle Morning routine or method and you write in the mornings, that's the perfect time to just start writing and you'll find your voice. A hundred percent. And you'll be surprised how much is in your subconscious. Right. And I I think like, I really do think writing it out, like not typing, but writing it out has been the most effective way for me to, to heal a lot of times, but also to, yeah, find my own unique voice, but you do have to be intentional about it. I think even like when we wake up from our dreams, like I've had some incredible like ideas in my dream. And I don't write about it when I wake up and then it's gone. So make sure you do take that time to your point to like, you listen, you watch whatever you did, block five to 10 minutes, scribble, jot. It doesn't even have to be perfect, but then you'll start to realize like what, oh, what really mattered to me in this conversation? What really like struck a chord? So that, yeah, that's, I would recommend yeah. uh, As those like things. Old school with the pen and paper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's the same as shower thoughts, right? Like your best ideas come in the shower, and you're not, you or don't walking have paper there. So yeah, uh huh, hundred percent. Right away, write that down. Oh, I just had a quote the other day. They said that creativity happens in motion. Yes. So that. so think about that too. Like walking is going to maybe inspire something in you. Being out in nature has been scientifically proven to like get creativity like flowing in your brain being in the shower is also one of them yeah, yeah so that is but yeah <laughs> i don't know either well there's i don't know motion the, yeah there's motion happening somewhere yes but yeah no all great things love it one thing just to to wrap up our conversation today karina what is one thing you would tell your younger self just starting out in marketing before even the abm world came about just leaving teaching and and getting into the world of marketing I do a lot of inner child work. So I think about young Karina a lot and yeah, she, she really helps me push through because I I have a ton of deep insecurities just based on some trauma I've experienced. And I would just advise her and others to just like shut out the noise. And when you feel those positive elements of yourself of like, I can do this marketing, like we'll make it about marketing, right? Like I can approach Google advertising, even if I've never done it, say it out loud and just believe it and see what happens. Like I didn't know that I could do account-based marketing. And then I did a ton of research and realized I can totally do this, Yeah, you know? So I think my one advice would be to 
let your naysayers be your, your, your boulder, right? Like that is pushing you up the hill. I have so many people believe that I wouldn't be where I am today. And if I elaborated even further, they would believe it even less. Right. So my naysayers and the hard things that I've experienced in life, my lived experience, like that's what's made me believe in myself that I can do anything I want. Because Karina can be a marketer, but Karina can be so many different facets of things. And so can you. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing, Karina. And yeah. Such a good, positive. Again, bringing that light and, and sunshine, but also realness and raw, which is kind of the perfect combination of what I want to bring on this show. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad I could, I could bring that. I love doing that. So thank you, Jane. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And where can everyone can find you? Definitely on LinkedIn. So yes. Karina Owens, I'll put the link in show notes. And thank you. also TikTok. I'll put yes. the link there too. <laughs> I would love your thoughts on my TikTok. People are so kind. They say they like it. I don't know why they like it. To be honest with you, <laughs> I think I'm just- it is, it's yeah, it's, it's that you're, it's the TikTok kind of style and just raw and in the moment. Yeah. The real thing, right? But it's yeah. also like helpful content. So oh, you, thank you, you managed to bridge the worlds, which is so hard, which is why I think most people don't go into TikTok because they're like, how do I do that? Yeah, 100%. Follow her. <laughs> thank you. It's featuring underscore Karina. I would love your follows. Thank you. And I would love your feedback. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Karina, for joining us today. And thanks everyone for listening. If you like the show, please review it, rate it, share the love, share it with anyone. We're still small and mighty and growing. So appreciate all the love. Thank you, everyone. Thanks.